You're listening to Blissful Prospecting, and today we're talking to Larry Levine about selling from the heart. One thing that's always been a mystery to me in sports is when someone says, you know, that kid's got heart. I used to hear that a lot growing up playing sports. My sport of choice was basketball. Loved basketball. Actually wanted to, believe it or not, in seventh and eighth grade, my goal was to play at Duke University, which if you don't follow basketball, that's one of the top rated division one men's basketball uh, schools in college. So definitely didn't have the height or the athleticism looking back at that <laughs> for, to play at Duke. But one of the things that they say in sports is, you know, this person's got heart. And I've heard that a lot and never really understood. Well, let me actually backtrack. I think I understand what it means. I have a really hard time describing what it means in words because it's not quite a physical sort of thing where it's like a skill set. It has nothing to do with if it's basketball, your dribbling skills or your shooting skills or your passing skills. It doesn't really have anything to do with your mindset, you know, being positive or being passionate or anything like that. It's kind of in this third bucket that is really hard to describe. And what I'm excited to talk about today with Larry Levine, who wrote a book, really great book, called Selling from the Heart, is what he calls heart set. So it's this third thing alongside of mindset and skill set that he calls heart set. And the reason why I'm excited to get into this is he's able to put into words what I can't really, even now, after I've already interviewed him, <laughs> um, what I'm having trouble describing in words, but it's this sort of intangible thing that you can work on. And if you're listening to the podcast for the first time, my name is Jason Bay. The show's called Blissful Prospecting, and my goal is to help you think outside the script in your prospecting approach and use proven tactics and strategies to set more meetings with your ideal clients. So that's exactly what we're going to talk about today with Larry is essentially how do we humanize sales, add this thing he calls heart set to your sales arsenal, and he's got some really good tips for asking feedback from your customers that you can use to make your prospecting approach really an unforgettable one. Um, is that a word, unforgettable? Maybe a memorable one is the word, is the, what I'm looking for there. Um, so before we get into the interview, though, we'll let you know real quick. Um, you can check out the show notes at blissfulprospecting.com slash podcast for all the links that we're about to share today. We also launched a community. It's called the Think Outside the Script community. And if you're wanting to connect with other reps and people that are experiencing similar challenges that you are from a prospecting standpoint, and you want to get feedback from other reps and, and people like myself on your cold emails or what you're saying in your cold calls, I'd go check it out. We also have a course in there. It's got everything from the reply method and what to say and frameworks to use and all that good stuff um, to really stuff around mindset and how to make better cold calls. So there's a bunch of good stuff in there. You can check that out at blissfulprospecting.com and click on join the community at the very top check it out. Let me know what you think. And without further ado, let's get into the interview. So we met in a way that I meet a lot of people in our industry by sending you a cold email. <laughs> Dude, you did, man. Yeah. Uh, but we talked after that two or three times and then we're like, yeah, we should actually record a podcast now, you know? So it's been cool getting to know you over the last couple of months, but I'm really curious because the thing that stuck out to me about you was, you know, selling from the heart. It was not this like make better cold calls. Uh, here's what to say in a script in a sales. It was more, um, I would say 
of a mindset behind this. And it was very against the grain from a lot of what I'd seen, but let's start there. Where did, where did selling from the heart come from? Great question. By the way, it's great to catch up with you again, Jason. I appreciate you having me on your show. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, what, you know what? It, I, I think over time, the longer you spend in any capacity in sales, the more you get aha moments, the more you're put into situations that are uncomfortable and things like that. And that's what happened to me. So I, I, I will tell you this. I'm going to, if, if it's okay, I'm going to take you back in time. I'm going to take your listeners back in time. And when I say in time, I'm talking decades, right? Is this so, like black and white TVs? No, dude, come on, thing, or... <laughs> No, but come on, dude. I'm old, but I'm not that old. But thanks okay. for capping on me. All right, all right. No, so, I mean, I'm going to take you back. So, I'm 50, so full disclosure, I'm 55 years old. So now I'm going to take you back probably 25 years ago. So I'm in my early 30s. And I was very successful up to that point. I was the number one salesperson on my team. And I grew up in, excuse me, I grew up in the office technology space. So what's that mean? I sold copiers my whole life. I sold copiers, document management, software, all the things that you can wrap inside of an office that you can produce documents on, I sold. It's the only sales channel I grew up in. But something really unique happened to me, and I think we're, we all have these. We all have those aha life moments that happen that will forever take us on a different course. Well, that happened to me. 25 years ago, I find myself face-to-face with a chief financial officer in a really large manufacturing company. First time appointment, right? So I'm sitting down there. We're, you know, we both do the small talk, jockeying for position in the office. Everybody knows what I'm, you know, where this is going, you know, as far as jockeying for position. I sit down, open up my pad, right? And within five minutes of the call, Jason, the CFO goes, Larry, I got to stop you. Jason, right then and there, I take a big gulp and the wheels start turning in my head. And I go, what did I just say? I don't think I offended this person, none whatsoever, right? I thought I was pretty professional. And right then and there, the wheel just turned in a different direction. And I'm comfortable enough in my own skin. I was back then as well. And I go, Larry, you got to turn this into a learning moment. And you just got to ask, right? Most salespeople would just probably drop something in their shorts and not know what to do. <laughs> so I just, I just said, hey, you know, I'm sorry. If, if I offended you or I said something wrong, you know, the, total apologies. And he goes, well, quite frankly, you did say a lot of things wrong. Help me understand. Right then and there, I said, Larry, turn this into a learning moment. I flipped over a sheet of paper and I say, can you help me understand what happened? He goes, within the first five minutes of your conversation, what came out of your mouth was all about you, all about your company, how great you are, all about your products, all about your services, all the things that you're really great at. I just got sick and tired of hearing it. You're the third copier rep who's come in my office in the last week. I couldn't take it anymore. So I, I asked you to stop. I did something right then and there that forever altered my career. I asked, what would you do if you were me? I like that question. What would you do if you were me? I went on and took three and a half pages of notes and never said a word for 45 minutes. I got schooled by a chief financial officer. I ate humble pie. I squirmed in my seat. I took a lot of notes and I mentally told myself, Jason, this will never, ever, ever happen again. 
And this is what I learned. I learned that even though I was successful in sales, I was going about doing it the wrong way. And I was successful despite myself, right? He was just willing to share what was on his mind, what was on his heart. I learned things like, you never once asked me about me. You never showed how much you care. You never understood, nor did you ask about my initiatives, what I'd like to accomplish, what was troubling me, where I see my business in three, four, five months down the road. You were too busy in those first couple minutes to spew, and I just stopped you. Here's the ironic thing about the whole thing, Jason. As time went on, that person became a customer. He became a friend. He still lives to this day in the city that I live in, and we still laugh our backsides off about that story because he knows I tell that story everywhere I go. But I did something a little bit different. From that moment, I went on a journey. And I went on a journey inside my customer base and I shared with them the story that happened to me and they go, very interesting. I'd probably do the same thing. Well, what else would you do? And that's when I learned that if I'm going to be successful in this career called sales, I had to make it about them. I had to show how much I care. I had to place their best interests at heart. I had to stop making it about me and making it about them. And that was 25 years ago, and I never looked back. Uh, that's a pretty powerful story, man. So there's a, there's a bunch of things that came to my mind when you were sharing that. Um, one is that you asked for feedback. And I'm thinking myself, sales-wise, the last time I asked for feedback, it's, it's been a while and probably something that I need to do. Um, what was the, like when you asked for feedback, how do you do that in a way, how do you recommend people do things like that in a way where they're not putting too much pressure on the other person to help them? So like the equivalent, sometimes I, I hear sales reps do is they'll say, well, what's your biggest challenges right now? And people are like, well, where do you want me to start? You know, like I, I'm kind of counting on you to guide the conversation. Like how do you frame the conversation in a way that's where you're being humble, but also showing that, hey, I know a little bit about what it's like in your world also, and let's have a almost a peer-to-peer -peer conversation around it. Well, so I, you know, it, it goes, you want me to take it back to that story or are you talking just in general, Jason? Uh, dude, either, either one, man, either one. I, you know what? There's one thing that I learned a long time ago. I was always curious. And here, here's what stemmed from it. I started my sales career in 1988. And it was the worst year I ever had in my life for sales. Absolute worst. Full disclosure, I made $18,000 my first year in sales in 1988. As my career went on, I made more than that in a commission check in a given month, right? Yeah. But there's something that I learned, and I was on more dysfunctional sales teams with more dysfunctional managers than I care to choose. My first year was just an epic failure, but I did learn a lot. And there's one thing that I learned. I wasn't afraid to ask for help. Yeah. I set my ego aside. I set my bravado aside. I saw all the other people on sales teams, right, struggling, but they were just, they let their ego get in the way and they never asked for help. They all just figure it out, right? Well, that's just a recipe for freaking disaster in my book. So I was always willing to ask for help. So in that moment where it was uncomfortable, I just simply asked for help. That's the human thing to do, right? I didn't have to dress it up. I didn't have to sugarcoat it, Jason. I didn't have to do anything. 
I was already called out on the carpet to begin with. Can't get any worse than the moment I was in anyway, right? Yeah. So why not just ask, you know, hey, I'm sorry, but help me out here, right? You interrupted, you know, you called time out. Help me understand what could I do better? If you were me, what would you do? I want salespeople to really grab onto that. It's okay to ask for help. It's okay. But we, and and that's why I ate vulnerability a long time ago. Yeah. And maybe it's because of how I was raised and so forth, but that's okay. Not everybody's comfortable enough in their own skin, but that's why they're afraid to ask for help. It's like, right? So I'll throw it out there. It's like guys asking for directions, right? Well, now you don't have to because dude, well, all you got to do is still punch it in. do it though. I'm like, right? dude, you got a smartphone? Use your fucking smartphone. Come on. Yeah, but okay, but, but, okay, but, here, but here's the deal, Jason. So now I take you back, right? Because I mean, there wasn't smartphones decades ago. Yeah. But how, you know, you're driving, well, you're, you're younger than me anyway, so but now I'm really dating myself, dude. But I can remember, right? You're driving around and you know you're lost. But you, you don't let, you know, you just go, I'll just figure it out, right? And you keep driving around, you keep driving around, you get lost. Finally, you got to suck it up and ask for help. Mm-hmm. No different. Well, now fast forward to today, you got technology that'll help you get from point A to point B. But I just want salespeople to realize it's okay. You can't be the smartest person in the room. And I learned that a long time ago. Just freaking ask for help. Just be curious. I'm always ferociously curious. And I search out answers and I love asking questions and I just love asking for help. It's second nature to me. I just swallow my pride. Yeah. I love that. One of the things I always say is be curious, not assumptive when you're prospecting because don't assume they have a challenge or that you can even help them. Just be curious about what's going on in their world. So what you said is interesting because it's almost this mindset that does really embody the peer-to-peer mindset. Because if I had a friend and I needed help with something, I would ask them for help. But do you think there's something with salespeople, especially younger salespeople oftentimes too, where it's almost this power kind of a power dynamic they think they need to have with their customers where I need to be the expert. I can't show, show vulnerability or that I don't know what I'm talking about. And I need them to, to trust me or to, to keep up some sort of image. Do you think that's going on with people? Yeah, I, I think there's a lot of that going on, but it, it's interesting. As you were saying that, this has had flashbacks in my head. So I think you're going to really love this. So like I said, I came out of the office technology space. So I remember that whole transition from analog to digital. And then all of a sudden, our conversations changed in the world that I grew up in. No longer was I just meeting with a person, right? I was meeting with the notorious technology department now, right? I was meeting with information technology directors and I was dealing with people that knew how to network stuff that I didn't. And I was having those type of conversations. And I, and, and I just flat out, I would say, again, that this is just me being me. If you're an IT director, Jason, and I was walking in and I was getting into conversations with you, the last thing I'm going to do is try to one-up you. The last thing I'm going to try to do is outsmart you. You're a lot, you're, dude, you're a lot smarter than me. You know how to connect things to networks and all that. I don't. So I'd say, hey, full disclosure, man, you know a lot more about connecting things than I do. But what I'm really good at is uncovering and asking a lot of questions 
and seeing how it can help you do things better. And when I can't answer one of your questions, I got a ton of smart people in my office that I can go ask and bring them in that are going to help you. That's what I want salespeople to realize. You don't have to know everything. But you got to be willing to say, I don't know, and I'm going to go find somebody that can help. Would that be all right? Yeah. That's really interesting because that, I'm, just a couple of things that you said there that stuck out, you know, even from a prospecting standpoint, dude, if you do a cold call or you send a cold email and it doesn't quite get the response that you want and the person seems irritated, that's actually a really good opportunity we've seen to ask for feedback. Yeah. Like I hate, I know Larry, this might be asking for a lot, but you're the second person that said that today. And do you mind sharing any feedback on what you would do if you were me? That's the part that I'm going to change actually in our responses. Hey, if you were me, would you do this any differently? And the answers that people, I mean, people are so willing to help. It's crazy. Yeah. And, and it's so funny. I, I have this saying, Jason, it's the stories in our head are the stories that we tell and act out. Mm-hmm. Now stop and think about that one for a second, right? I've done, you know, I'm the best at mental gymnastics. I mind screw everything probably way more than I should. But all the stories that salespeople tell in their head come across in their conversations, come across in how they act it out. And pretty soon you're a prisoner in your own stories. If you get what I'm throwing at you. Mm-hmm. So why not just get comfortable with who you are? Get comfortable enough to say, you know what? What would you do? I'm just curious. Why'd you say that? Help me understand. Because here's what people will soon find out. I wish my people in my office would do that. Right? Yeah. I remember on countless times being sitting in front of high level decision makers in the world that I grew up in. And I can count numerous times where I had executives say, I wish my salespeople would say some of the things that you're sharing with me right now. I'm just willing to say it. Whereas most people just mind screw it and they never say it. Just say it. You never know what you'll learn. Just say it. But it goes back, it goes back to we're always so cognizant. Oh, God, what's Jason gonna think? Right? I can't ask that because if I say that, then Jason's gonna think I'm weird or I'm weak or I don't know what I'm talking about. When in all actuality, it's the freaking complete opposite. Yeah. So what do you think is what's a practical thing that you know someone can do if they're kind of playing this mental gymnastics and they're already intimidated that hey, I'm just a sales rep, I'm talking to the C level person. What are, what are some practical things you recommend from a mindset standpoint that they, that they do? Well, first of all, you are what you believe, right? Mm-hmm. Crazy as that sounds, right? If you think you're a sales rep, you're a sales rep. If you think you're a sales professional and you got the mindset changed to a sales professional, then in simple terms, you'll start acting, walking, and talking yeah. like a sales professional. But it's, it's just, it's simple things. I'm a firm believer in this is heart set and mindset. We got to understand what both of those mean and how they work together. So we can work on, you know, we can work on heart all day long, but if we don't adjust our mind, it doesn't really work that well. They both work in conjunction. 
So yeah, yeah, I'm keeping it simple. I'm not a freaking rocket scientist by no means on this stuff. I just, I just keep things. I always say, if you really want to meet a rocket scientist, come over to my neck of the woods and I'll introduce you to my dad. Cause he actually was a retired rocket scientist. That's cool. And he mind screwed everything. He overcomplicated everything, but that's the world that he lived in and so forth. I'm a very simple guy. Very simple. And I just worked on the core foundation of sales, the simple things, the mind and the heart. And I worked on it all the time. But I also went a step farther and I learned this over time is I just knew that I had to adjust the stories in my head to get different outcomes. So if I think I'm sales rep and I don't know everything and I'm intimidated by talking to an executive, guess what's going to happen? I'm going to get intimidated. Single best thing that, that changed the course of my career and just full disclosure, I was petrified to use the phone. Over time, I became petrified to use the phone. I would get sweaty palms. I'd shuffle papers. I'd do all the things that people are still doing to this day. Until one day, I, I invested in myself and I hired a business coach. And this was in my late 30s, early 40s. And I told this person, I said, man, I'm struggling using the phone, right? I get intimidated by talking to somebody on the other end of the phone. This person said something that forever changed the course. And now I, and I care that I'll pick up the phone and talk to anybody. This person said, Larry, are you afraid to call, pick up the phone and call your friends? No. Are you afraid to pick up the phone and call any family member? No. Then I'm going to ask you, when you pick up that phone to call a decision maker to ask for an appointment, I want you to picture in your head you're speaking to one of your friends. Simple little things like that, Jason. And right then and there, the lights clicked on in my head. And from that point forward, I never had an issue talking to anybody on the phone. Because I spoke to those people like I'd speak to one of my friends and how comfortable I am with one of my friends. And I just changed the conversation in my head. And I changed the conversation on the phone. Yeah, that's super powerful because, you know, a lot of the you know, dialogue, I, I even hear it sometimes when I interview people here that are, a sales rep, they say, well, because I ask them, you know, is there anything I can do to help? And they'll say, well, I don't know what I can do. I'm just a sales rep. They'll say that, or I'm just an SDR or just a BDR. So I'm totally on board with you. The, the mental dialogue, what you're thinking in your head and what you say out loud are definitely going to dictate how you end up making that call, you know, or if you make that call in this case. So you mentioned heart set. What's heart set? Let's get into some of the stuff that this selling from the heart what does that mean? What, what is a heart set? Hey, by the way, I just I made it up a while back. So, so, so anyone who's listening, don't freaking go to the online dictionary and look up the word heart set because they're probably going to go there. You know, your response is probably going to be, what the heck did you just type into Google, right? It's good for SEO though, because then your stuff's going to pop up when they type it in. <laughs> <laughs> I like making up words. <laughs> I, I make up words all the time, right? <laughs> but I, I tell you why it came to be is I started, I started hearing along the way that people say, adjust your mindset, right? Adjust your skill set. Okay, well, that's cool. Adjust your heart set. Readjust your heart. Get reacquainted with a heart. Imagine if, right? Because I always said mindsets, mindset and skill set. You've heard that one over and over and over again, right, Jason? Yep. So I said, okay, well, that's fine. Let's just add a third leg into this thing. Let's bring the heart into this. 
and here's where I'm going with this. And, and I wrote about it, wrote about it in Selling from the Heart, is if you fail to work on your heart, your arteries get clogged, right? Yeah. So now let's think about that in sales context. We work on everything but, right? Because if you ask many in sales, bring up the word heart in sales, it kind of just doesn't go together, right? Yeah. I want heart set and mindset to go together like a freaking peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Just makes it taste better, right? Yeah. Well, makes your career better if you can understand how to work on your mind and work on a healthy heart. And what I mean by working on a healthy heart and sales is sales is tough. I don't care if you're an SDR, BDR, ADR, sales rep, sales professional, major account executive, whatever title you all want to hide behind. When it all comes down to brass tacks, if you don't work on your inner self, you'll never become the best version of yourself. You'll, you'll always have that. I'll call it that invisible barrier between you and success. Now, some people are going to listen to this and say, Larry, I think you're a box of rocks and that's okay. <laughs> but if every day you're not spending time on yourself, working on that heart, adjusting it, right? Working on yourself, self-care, self-affirmation, self-respect. Then it's hard to go out and do your job to its full capacity, right? Mm -hmm. And I know this because... I mean, I've had bumps, bruises, and scrapes along the way. I got deep, dark secrets, and I got baggage and skeletons in the closet like everybody does. What makes me is different, right? What makes you, Jason, you is totally different, right? We're going to see things differently, and that's what makes us all unique. But in a world where people don't trust salespeople, regardless of their title, where they think they're full of bull crap, where there's rampant skepticism all over the place. Why not do something about it and learn how to overcome these, bring your heart to the forefront. And that's why I say this business is personal. Business is personal. And if we can bring our heart, if we can work on this, great things happen. But if we fail to bring our heart to the forefront, because if we think it's too mushy gushy and it's, you know, it's too lovey-dovey, right? I can't do that. I'm crossing the line. Then in my opinion, you'll never, ever, ever become the best version of yourself. I know this because I ask, Jason, I ask individuals all day long, in your personal life, do you have any issue whatsoever telling a family member or a significant other how much you appreciate them and how much you love them and how much you care about them. Most of the time I, I hear resounding, I have no issues whatsoever. Then help me understand what prevents you from doing that out in the sales world. See where I'm going with this? Well, it's almost like an identity kind of thing, which is where I was sort of heading here is uh, James Clear, you know, James Clear, Atomic Habits. I know of the book. So one thing he talks about with habits that I thought was really interesting is, you know, if you want to lose weight, don't make a habit around exercising, change your identity. I, Jason, am a person that exercises. I, Jason, am a person that lives a healthy lifestyle, like that kind of thing. Is that where you're going with this, this heart thing? Is it's, it sounds like it's almost like an identity kind of thing and how you look at yourself because 
as salespeople, sometimes we put this hat on where we're selling. I mean, people's voices change when they go to work and start selling and they go home and they, they talk like this and, the, and then, you know, Hey, you know, it'd be really good. You, hey, Larry, you know, nice to meet. It's like, it's so insincere and not them. Is that where you're going with this heart set? Is it an identity thing? Yeah. I, I think, you know, you know, we hear the words around heart, like empathy, authenticity, genuine, caring, right. Compassionate. Yeah. All these things are a lifestyle, right? I chose to get into sales. I wasn't forced into sales. Mm-hmm. I saw what was right and what was wrong with sales, but I made it my own. And again, you know, I go back to this. We all got baggage. We all got skeletons in the closet, right? I wasn't raised perfect. Nobody's perfect. But because I was, my dad traveled a lot in, in the position he was at, so he was never home. So I latched onto my mom. I had two sisters. Most of my cousins were girls. And I got acquainted with my feminine side. And yes, I said it. I got acquainted with my feminine side. And I didn't care. I'll cry with the best of them. I'm a mass, massive, massively emotional guy. And I rolled it up after I got schooled by that CFO. I just rolled it up. I rolled up the shirt. I rolled up the pants. And I said, I'm digging in. I'm going to dig in and build rock solid, meaningful, credible relationships with my clients to the point where, yeah, we will get emotional. But that's what made me me. And that's what made my relationships with my clients so unique. I'm comfortable enough with it. Most salespeople aren't. I just said, you know what? If I'm going to succeed in in the crazy world that I grew up in, then I got to do it differently. Because why I say this is this fast forward to today, right? 2020, the year 2020. I guarantee you this of every single one of your listeners, Jason, were open and honest, picked up the phone, went face to face. I don't care how they do it. And they asked their clients, what do they want? What do they crave? What are they yearning for from salespeople? They will tell you. They will tell you what they're craving. Give them what they crave. They're going to crave somebody who cares for them and wants their best interests at heart. They're going to want somebody there who's there for them all the time, good times and bad times. No BS, right? They're there. They don't break their promises. They do exactly what they say they're going to do. That's what they want. I know I've asked. I ask still to this day. So where do you think that's gone? Because that's something that <laughs> what you didn't say just now, and I agree hundred percent with everything. What you didn't say is I want someone that's got the best product or I want someone that works at the coolest company. You know, it, it's, it's unfortunate, but, and that's why, again, I'm just going to say it. I want salespeople to pay attention to this one. Stop hiding behind your company. Stop hiding behind your title. Stop hiding behind your product. Stop hiding behind price. I'm not discrediting it. There comes a point in time where all that comes to be. We got to ask you, step away from all of that, put yourself front and center. 
It's you that are the defining factor in those deals. So how, what's that? How, how do you, okay. So let's get into like, how, how does someone actually do it? Cause what I'm hearing from you is basically that you as the salesperson are the differentiator. Right? You are. How do you, um, okay. So I'll give you a quick example. I thought this was really interesting. This company I worked for in college, College Works Painting, we sold house painting services. One of the things they taught us that was really interesting was what they called P-Pod, and it was positive perspective of difference. So they'd have two people on the same sales team go up in front of the room and you have to sell someone that would pretend to be a homeowner. Now, the kicker was everyone started saying, well, we work for the best company and I have, and they're like, well, no, you guys work for the same company you sell the same product, you had the same exact price. So what was it? And it forced us to talk about the personal things. So what are some of those things that we can dig into? Like when we're selling, like how would we approach that maybe from a prospecting standpoint or a selling standpoint? Like what are some of the ways that we can talk about ourselves or show that we are different as a human being? Um, wow. Yeah. There's a lot to unpack there. But yeah. the, the, uh, and, and I started just, this was all trial and error, Jason, mm-hmm. because I mean, I sold stuff that fricking broke. <laughs> I sold stuff that would break, right? What I sold was no different than what my competitor sold. It had a different name on it. Yeah. No different. Still, it still holds true today. But one thing that I did, I, and I learned this a long time ago is I started asking a lot of questions, you know, and it goes back to what I said before. What do you like? What do you don't like about salespeople? I took it one step farther. What do you like and don't like about the experiences that you're getting from your vendors, right? Your partners, Mm -hmm. people who are taking care of you. Because what I found out was this, the minute that that decision maker put their signature on a piece of paper or whatever the case may be, a completely different thing happened, right? That knight or that queen in shining armor turned into a frog the minute that that deal was signed and they cashed their commission check. No one was enhancing the experience. So what I did is I started to realize this and I started asking all these questions. Tell me what it's like afterwards. And then I formulated something and I formulated an experience. I created the Disneyland experience for all my customers. I created the wow factor. I went above and beyond. And that became part of my conversations with executives. Mm-hmm. Right? There's not one executive, there's not one decision maker out there across the world who hasn't had a bad experience with a sales rep. It's probably so multiple I, bad experiences. They're multi- <laughs> and and they, they happen day yeah. in and day out, right? But then what I would do in my conversations, I'd say, hey, Jason, you know, along the way, I'm sure these things have happened to you before, right? Broken promises, busted dreams, lack of follow through. They sell you the moon and they deliver a glass of milk, right? (laughs) Yeah. Well, let me share with you, if we ever got to the point where you thought I was a good fit for your company then this is what you can expect from me. And if you, you know, and you might be thinking to yourself, this is too good to be true. 
when we get to that point, I'm going to ask you, I'm just going to, I'm just going to open up, you know, I'm going to open up my client portfolio. I'm going to have you randomly pick somebody. I'll give you their name and phone number, right? You call them and ask them the experience that I've been providing to them. It'll be no different than what I just shared with you. I was clear, concise, and with conviction, I delivered to them what would happen if they ever chose to do business with me, how they'd be taken care of. Because one thing that I do know, and it holds true today, experiences matter. It wasn't the product. It wasn't the service. It wasn't the solution. What I was sharing and selling was the experiences and the memories that I captured from my customers, that if they became one, this is what you can expect. And I painted that picture in their head. See where I'm going with this? No, this is super cool because I, I always encourage people to do customer interviews. So this, what I like about what you're suggesting is it doesn't have to be an, it's just a conversation, dude. Like you should have a good enough relationship with your customers and the people, even if you're an SDR and you never closed, you should have a good enough and have maintained a good enough relationship with that person that you can go back through and ask them, Hey, what did you like about the experience talking to me? Like what's, what stuck out to you? What, what don't you like? And this is a really good way to empathize even more with your prospects and your customers, because I could just picture someone saying that in a, in a cold call. Hey, so what I'd like to do is set up a meeting with so-and-so they're going to talk to you about this. And I know you're probably thinking, Oh, I'm going to have to sit through another demo. But if you talk to any of the people I've sent through the demos, they usually say this, this, and this, and why it was really worth 30 minutes of their time to get some insights from all the customers that we work with exactly like you. Like that's like, pure gold right there. So I, I love the approach, man. I love it. Yeah, no, thanks. And, and, and there's, you know, it was interesting. So now I'm going to even go back even farther. So now, now we're probably talking in the mid nineties. I sucked at memorizing scripts, horrible, yeah. horrible at memorizing scripts. Back when I grew up in the industry, I grew up in, I had to freaking memorize scripts and they were uncomfortable and they were painful and it wasn't me. And I remember this, it was the latter part of 1994, beginning in 1995. And I remember sitting down with one of my very first managers in this company that I chose to work at. And he goes, Larry, he goes, I'm not going to ask you to memorize these scripts anymore. But what I'm going to ask you to do is understand the foundation of it and make it your own. And I brought my personality out into it, right? And that's why I'm a big fan of non-scripted conversations. I'm not here to papooey talk tracks and things like that. It's not where I'm taking this conversation. I think they have talk tracks have a play in, in everything that we do, but it's a roadmap. It's a foundation. But I will tell you this because, you know, everyone talks about, well, we got to be human and all that. Well, we're all freaking humans. What's not human is when you recite a freaking script and it's painfully obvious. <laughs> I don't know why that's so funny, but when you put it in words like that, it sounds really funny <laughs> to use a script, you know? <laughs> but, but, but I mean, but think about it. I mean, this is stop and think about it for a moment. God bless SDRs, BDRs, and ADRs, and whatever other freaking acronym for <laughs> there is out there. Yeah. But I mean, come on, people. Stop and think about this for a moment. I might not be the smartest person out there, 
but I am being real when I say this. I want everybody to listen to this. Are the scripts you're using right now in your organization, if the role was reversed and somebody laid that freaking script on you, I can guarantee you this, you'd go click. Yeah. Stop and think about that one, people. You want to have better success? Change the freaking conversation and change the script to more human-centric conversation and stop hiding behind your freaking company, your products, your solutions, and your scripted conversation. Boy, dude, now I'm fired up, Jason. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we were talking before we hit record and we both have different ways of saying very much the same thing. I say think outside the script, but it's a, I love that because it's like you have the body of what you want to say and you know, think outside of that. Like, just connect with the person. So what I'm getting, Larry, is what I'm hearing selling from the heart, a lot of it is, like, to really connect with someone. It's not say, like, what's on your mind. It's, it's sort of say what you're feeling. If you're feeling like, hey, I really care about this person and want to know how I can be of service and, and genuinely help, like, say that. Yeah. Like, that's, like, a really simple thing you could do. Hey, one thing I really care about and why I'm asking you this is I care a lot about the experience that our customers have using our product. And, so I and really he, want to know, like, what, what, do you, what do you need to get from this in order to feel like you're getting a lot of value here, you know? You know, and, and people sense that, Jason. Yeah. People absolutely sense that, you know, and, and I just got to share, I, I have to share, you know, I have no PhD in any of this stuff, right? I have no master's in psychology. I have no PhD in anything. I earned my PhD from getting the crap kicked out of me selling copiers in LA and learning the hard yeah. way, right? Getting bumps, bruises along the way, and then just realizing that, hey, I don't know everything. And if I'm going to succeed, I got to humanize things. I got to bring the heart because I've been, my heart's been broken more times in sales than I even care to shake a stick at. Mm -hmm. But I'd like to share it because I asked you prior to us, you know, you, us hopping on this thing is I'd like to share a quick story because it just goes to show you what's going on with the current state of sales and why I firmly believe salespeople struggle to engage in conversations. Will you allow me to just share it real quickly? Yeah, absolutely. So this is real world. This, as we're recording this, just just happened three days ago as we're, as you and I are recording this, I get an email in my, in my inbox in my email and it wasn't, you know, a Jason Bay email that you sent me. It was actually from a sales rep in the Northeast that I'm all just, I'm only connected to on LinkedIn. That's it. That's the extent of really the relationship. This person sent me an email, said, Hey, you know, I'm really struggling as a situation that we're all going through right now. I've been in the business north of 15 years and I'm just struggling. I'm just having a hard freaking time right now. Here's my number. If I can talk to you, I'd really appreciate it. And this came in on a late Monday afternoon. I'm on the West Coast. This person's on the East Coast. I fired back an email. I said, hey, just shoot, you know, I can't talk to you now. But what I will do is I will give you a call Tuesday morning, right? Next day when I go out for a walk. So the next day happens, I call this person on the phone, got him on speakerphone as I'm walking in my neighborhood. What are you struggling with? I hate using the phone, right? I can't call my customers anymore that I'm getting discouraged. Right. Tell me your talk track, right? Tell me what you're saying. I go, no wonder they hate you. You're just talking about pro you're talking about the same thing over and over again, but you want different results. It's not going to happen. 
I said, I'm going to give you the best advice I could possibly give you. Humanize your conversations with your current customers. Grab a sheet of paper and a pen. I'm going to tell you exactly what to say. Then I want you to call 10 current customers and from your heart, speak this and say this. And I promise you it'll change the conversation. And here's the conversation, Jason. I'm going to use you as the example. Because you all know, as we're talking right now, we're, we're all through this crisis, right? Yeah. We're going through a crisis as we're recording this. Hey, Jason, it's Larry. You know, I'm just calling. I was just thinking about you. I just want to make sure you and your team and the people in your organization are doing okay. We're going through some pretty crazy times right now. We're all suffering together. I just wanted to thank you for doing business and believing in me over the past year. I just wanted to personally say thank you. It means a lot. I'm just curious, you know, real quick, if you can share with me, what have you learned about yourself? What have you learned about your company? And what have you learned about your fellow employees over the last 30 to 45 days? And stop yeah. and listen and take tons of notes. I told this person, if you can do that, I promise you this, it will forever change the relationship you have with your customers. Can you do this? Yes, I can. Let me know at the end of the day. Email comes in at the end of the day, Jason. He goes, prior to me speaking to you, my average call length with my customers was between one to two minutes, tops. I call 10 people, 10 current customers. My average call length was 30 minutes, 30 minutes. I uncovered three opportunities had the best conversations I've ever had with my current customers. Thank you. You want to reposition yourself and your current customers truly with conviction, be clear and concise, show how much you care. Don't just ask a freaking question to ask it, mean it and watch what happens. Dude, love it. Dude, so much of, I just don't understand why people look at selling and helping as a different, it's a different thing. It's the same thing to me. You know, it's like the selling your product or service or whatever should be a natural part of the next part of the conversation, if it's appropriate or not. And if it's not appropriate, it's, Hey, this is a freaking human being. Yeah. Well, Well, but here's what it boils down to. I, I wrote about in selling from the heart sales reps straight across the board are consistently inconsistent. Yeah. You're never going to have any level of success driving and engaging in a conversation using the phone or any other form of prospecting if you're spotty at best in doing it. That one still doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure that one out. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, dude, I'm telling you, Jason. Hey, sorry, listeners. You probably think I'm a whack job, but I... (laughs) I geek out on stuff like this. Oh, I love it. That's why we like talking, man. Um, well, dude, I've really enjoyed this conversation. Um, before you take off here, love all the work that you're doing first off. And I definitely recommend you guys connect with Larry, which I'll link up to in the show notes. But where do you want people to go to check out your stuff and get a better idea of what you're doing? Uh, well, various different ways, but th- you know, thanks for allowing me to share. Uh, you can find anything you want about selling from the heart at sellingfromtheheart.net. 
you can find our podcast that you were that you were a guest on not too long ago, Jason. So you can find Selling from the Heart on all your favorite podcast apps that are out there now, including iHeartMedia and Podbean. You can find me all over LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. You can find the book on Amazon. You can find it on Audibles. I'm everywhere. <laughs> Larry's everywhere. <laughs> Appreciate you coming on the show, man. It is my pleasure. Thanks, dude. That was a fun one. I don't think I've laughed that much in an interview. <laughs> I love talking to Larry. He's a super, super cool dude. And I'm glad that uh, we've become closer friends uh, over the last couple months. So um, I had a ton of fun. I really like this concept that he has around asking for feedback from your customers and using that to essentially reverse engineer step-by-step step your process when you prospect. If you're an SDR or if you're an AE, maybe doing some prospecting, looking at What's that experience like from the very first time that I send that email to them or reach out to make a call or reach out on LinkedIn all the way to the discovery and the demo process and the proposal process and negotiation and all that good stuff. So that was my favorite tip. Before you take off, if you could, I'd love to continue getting on people like Larry on the show. We do this show for free. And one thing that helps get exposure for this so we can get on really good guests and continue doing this and bringing this to you is to get a review. So if you like the show, please leave an honest review on iTunes. You can just go to blissfulprospecting.com slash iTunes or search for it in your podcast app. Leave a short, honest review about what you think. And we'll talk to you soon. Thanks for tuning in.